Welcome to another episode of the Share Your Stories series. This is a podcast-like experience where we get to explore humanity one heart at a time. I'm your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm the founder of Grieving Coach. Before I begin, I wanted to share a little bit about the story behind this series. I've been connecting with so many amazing people lately, and I just have a desire, a burning desire to create a space where we can come and learn from each other and share our stories. And reimagine has been a big part of this journey for me. And so I had the idea I can work with reimagine and I can help people share their stories in their own ways. And that's how this podcasting series got started. Today, I'm super excited to be talking with Bobby Clark, who is a financial coach with a mission to, pro to promote financial literacy throughout the world. He does this one individual at a time, helping them find and create their own path to where they want to be. Last year, Bobby received the designation of the Global Presence Ambassador for his contribution in the financial literacy arena. As a person of color, he has a wealth of experience on the topic of racial discrimination as well. Bobby is passionate about connecting with others and serving those in marginalized community. Bobby, I'm so glad you're here with us. And I'm so looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. I am uh, honored to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, and providing the platform where I can share my story. And uh, it is my goal that what I may say today would have an impact on making the world a better place to live. I am excited, excited to talk with you today. And we're going to have so much fun. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm looking forward to that. So in the United States, it's Black History Month. And all month we've been learning stories and honoring people of color and their rich heritage. And so today I'd love to learn about your experiences as a person of color, both professionally and personally. Well, my story is, is not that very different from uh, some of the other stories that, uh, that you may have heard in your lifetime about uh, African-Americans and the struggle that, that we have uh, faced uh, in this country. Uh, just to uh, start off, uh, I'm here in Savannah, Georgia, which is one of the most historical cities in America for African-American culture. Uh, and so it's, it's a, a really a blessing to be here because the, the culture and the, the historic impact that, this, that the African-Americans in this area of uh, Georgia and South Carolina has has stretched far beyond uh, uh, the shores of uh, of Georgia and and South Carolina. So it's a it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm a native Floridian, uh, but uh, by heart I'm becoming more and more uh, a Georgian just because of the the rich culture and the heritage that that's here in this area. I'm, I'm constantly learning about our people and 
their uh, contributions, uh, not only to uh, this area, but but to the current, to, to the whole world, really. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and and this city just start from the beginning uh, in terms of uh, uh, slavery. Uh, the two main ports of entry uh, for African slaves was one uh, here in Savannah, and the other one was uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which is only about 154 miles north of here. So this was the entry port. Wow. And, and because of that, uh, it, it's just that we didn't migrate that far away from this area uh, due to the due to the point that uh, we didn't have any transportation, we was only carried by the slave owners. Owners would come here to the auctions mm-hmm. and purchase slaves, and then take them away uh, to different parts of the country in the South. But but for me, uh, you know, personally, I'm standing on the shoulders of some awesome ancestors. I really am. Uh, my uh, maternal grandparents and my grandparents were successful farmers and landowners in Savannah and the Central Florida area. Mm-hmm. And a large part of the, the land that they purchased in the early uh, 1900s, the late 1800s, a lot of that land is still in the family today. Wow. Uh, people are living on that property and there is some farming, but not as much as it was before, but that some of that property is still in the land today. So we, we cherish that, that, uh, that land and uh, it, it has a uh, special connection to all of us because of the fact of the, the work and the toil that they went into to not on, to be able to uh, uh, acquire that property and for mm-hmm. us to be able to hang on to it. Uh, so that's that's when I go back there, it's like going going home again. Yeah. Of, of the connection and the, the family members that I have there. My uh, paternal grandfather was a successful business owner in his own right. He uh, owned uh, a janitorial service and provided uh, that service to local businesses. And he had a shoe shine uh, business. Uh, that he used, and uh, that that was part of what he did to earn his living and take care of his family. Uh, my mom was an elementary teacher for 35 years. Uh, she taught the second grade, and she was a, uh, a small number of African-American teachers uh, who were the first to integrate the county school system in, in my city. Uh, my dad, uh, he was uh, one of the first African-Americans uh, deputy sheriffs in our county. And he also, uh, he was there for about 10 or 12 years and he decided that he wanted to go and open up his own business. And he opened a small convenience store and uh, that was part of our, uh, that was, I guess the, pr- the primary source of income for our family. I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, being in a, in a business environment uh, working at the store and doing all the things that you have to do, stocking the shelves and cleaning the floors and yeah. and learning how to uh, how to run the business. So, you know, I'm 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 standing on the shoulders of some some great people, and I really do appreciate that. And and probably I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the values that I have today uh, if it hadn't been for what they taught me. Uh, many, many years ago, and uh, I'm trying to hold on to those and just repeat what they have done. If I can be be as great as they were, then uh, 
my work would be done. That's fantastic. Yeah. So. What lessons have that you learned from them? Well, one of the lessons that, that I that I learned uh, early on was that uh, I guess I guess you can say that in a simple form is to to get up early, be prepared, be on time, and follow through. And and from a farmer standpoint, uh, they will always get up. When the, when the chicken, when the roosters crowed, that was their alarm clock. Uh huh. That was time, even though it wasn't, it was just before daybreak. And the roosters, and that's just the nature of, of a rooster, and they crow just at dawn. And that's the time of the day where you probably can't see as well. Uh huh. But, it's, but by the time you get up and, and, and get going, then you will see you have enough daylight to work. And they would work all day. Uh, they would take a lunch break, uh -huh. and there was then they would work until the sun almost went down, so they couldn't see. Wow. My mom, my mom had a saying that it was like, "Can to can't," and that meant you worked from the time you could see to the time you could not see. And that was all day, and they did that day uh -huh. after day after day. Yeah. So, so that wow. work, that, that work ethic that uh, just, you know, the never giving up, uh, being on time and, and just, just working hard and, and being honest and earn, earn an honest living day after day. How do you see these principles in your own life? Well, the, one, of the, one of the biggest thing is, is just being consistent, being trustworthy, as 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 uh, growing up being in a in a business and and my mom being a teacher, uh, you have to establish trust. You have to establish trust with the students. Mm -hmm. uh, when you establish trust with the students, then you uh, you gain their respect, and yeah. they will never forget you. And the same thing with the with with the business. You have to establish that that credibility and that trust with your with your customers. So in that way, they will they will come back time and time again. In mm -hmm. terms of business, you have to always be on time. You have to open up your store or your business to be there for your customers, but so so that they can uh, naturally or over time have your business ingrained in their mind. So when they need something, they think of you. Yeah, and that, and that comes from being being visible day after day after day after day year after year uh and serving them the best the best that you can uh and that's what they did uh, uh and that's what i learned from them mm -hmm. uh, to do that to do it that way and uh to be giving uh to be helpful you talked about being visible and i'm wondering how they were able to be visible in a society and in a time where that may not have been welcome. Well, it's, it's it was welcome. It's, it's a it's a welcome um, in a way as society improved, but they're in, they were in positions where 
uh, it was easy to be, uh, there, was, there was in, I would say, an authoritative uh, position where as a teacher, you're in charge mm-hmm. of the classroom. As, mm-hmm. a, as a uh, deputy sheriff, you're in charge of being, uh, keeping order. As, mm-hmm. as, as, as a store owner or, or entrepreneur, you're in charge of uh, being active into the community and being a resource into the, into the community. So they were, they were very, very visible. I mean, it, was a, it wasn't a, a very, very large town, but in the community that, that, they, that we live, uh, everybody knew them. It was well known. Awesome. They didn't have that. And then over time, that, uh, that kind of visibility tends to bleed over uh, into other communities. I mean, as, as a store owner, you, are, you, you, know, you go into the bank, you're dealing with the bankers and people like that, which is typically would be a white person. So you would, right. so that, so that visibility would tend to bleed over and you gain white customers coming to now, they're coming to your store to buy your products. So the visibility was, 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 was not that much of a, a uh, it was a challenge, but uh, they had more visibility than a lot of other African-Americans who lived in the community. So. Did you notice the discrepancies of visibility between you and your family and others in the community? Oh, oh yeah, you could, it was obvious. It, it was very obvious during that time. Uh, the, ch- the challenge uh, with, with any, um, I think the, the, the black community as a whole is, is to uh, be treated as, as, as an equal, as, as a whole person. Uh-huh. Not, a, not as three fifths or one half, but that comes with being, uh, being visible. Uh, and and that way, that's where the respect that you gain uh, over time comes from, is being visible and being able to uh, be treated as as uh, as a human being, uh, going forth in your life every day, not as uh, somebody that's that's disrespected or whatever. But uh, that it helps to be visible, uh, whatever whatever position that you are in, because uh, people are watching. They're looking for visibility. They're looking for uh, uh, people who are who are out front with visibility comes leadership a lot of times, and mm-hmm. people look for look for leadership. So, for people who are struggling with visibility, how can they overcome that and become visible, become the leader? Well, I think one of the things that you can do as in terms of uh, becoming more visible is to get involved. You have whatever it is. You have to you have to try to get involved, even if it's in your local community, uh, your local church, or, or whatever. Uh, getting involved and and helping carry out what needs to be done to make that organization uh, uh, work is one way of getting visible. Getting visible. I know in 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 uh, back when I was growing up. Uh, one of the most visible people in the community was the, was the pastors or the people, the church leaders. Mm-hmm. And that was because they were in, you know, they were doing something within the community. You know, the, maybe the, uh, the deacons in the church or the ushers in the church or people who did things as, in leadership positions, uh, you know, the doctors or whatever, 
the teachers, you know, uh, people like that, or even some of the people that, that were just the working class people, uh, and, but they had high enough visibility that they, uh, they gained respect from the community. Mm. So it was, it was like getting involved in whatever you're doing increases your, uh, your visibility. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. You talk a lot about community, and I want—I would like you to share more with us about the importance of community as an African American. Well, community is 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 something that holds people together together and gives them give them hope. And in terms of the Black community. Uh, with the church being the anchor. See, the church has always been the anchor in the black community because uh, we came here uh, as, as, as spiritual people. We have, there, there were religions in Africa. So we brought, that was one of the, the, one of the few things that we were allowed to bring here mm -hmm. was, was something spiritual. Yeah. And that was that another thing other, other than, other than uh, spirituality, the other thing that we was able to bring here was hope. And those two were hidden in the bosoms of, of the African-American slaves that that made the, the trip across the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And the and the church, the spiritual church eventually became the the, uh, the, the physical church over time. But originally they were not allowed to gather in groups because the, the, the owner, the slave owners thought they was planning their escape or planning their rebellion mm -hmm. so that they, so they were not allowed to gather uh, uh, as a group. So what they did, they, they prayed individually within their community, community and they found ways to come together uh, so that they wouldn't be noticed to pray and to take care of each other. Uh, so that's then, and that and that was their community, uh, where they lived and where they worked, was was their community, was their where their gathering place, where their support system was there. Yeah, uh, and they would always gravitate back back to that. So the community has always been, even today, uh, the community is is where the, the you feel. Uh, sometimes more comfortable because there are people there like you mm, and, mm -hmm. and you feel like people that they understand you and you can relate to that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So the community, yes, the community is, is really, is really, uh, is, is, is really important uh, uh, in terms of, matter of fact, in any race of people, their community is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So knowing the importance of community, how has your community been affected by COVID and the pandemic and social distancing? Uh, my community has been uh, heavily impacted by that. Uh, dating back to the, to, to the fact that if you go back until uh, we still had a nature of, of wanting to get together uh, and, and understanding that that's what makes you strong, that, that gathering. Uh, so when COVID hit, uh, people were not able to, 
to gather or were cautious about gathering. And the, you know, the way COVID was, 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 was uh, spreading across America, we did, a lot of people didn't know if it was really truth, if it was, if it was a real thing or was it something that was made up. So within the community, we were trying to, trying to determine uh, how to behave, mm -hmm. uh, how do you protect the elderly or the most vulnerable within the community? Uh, how do you uh, uh, interact with those who uh, perhaps are, are doubtful that it is real? Yeah. And to try to try to balance that was very, and, and it still is very, uh, very challenging because you have those that uh, were being told that, you know, this may be something bad for you. Even if you take the, the vaccinations, it may be something that's bad for you. Mm -hmm. It could be a plan to do more harm than good. So you have those that believe that false information uh, that's, that's in the community as well. So you, it's a balancing act of how, how you um, uh, survive all of that and not get, uh, get sick or make someone else sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, there have been people, a lot of people, uh, uh, getting sick and then you, you the other side of that is, is the fact that the uh you may not have access to the medical facilities and 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 so forth that would take care of you uh maybe you uh have to travel outside of your community to go to the doctor or maybe i travel outside your community to even get uh uh, uh, get testing to see if you are positive or negative yeah. and that could be inconvenient or almost impossible if you don't have the transportation so if you are dealing with things like that it has an impact on the community because now the virus can come into the community through some people who uh maybe don't know they have it and they can't they don't protect themselves and they can't protect anyone else mm -hmm. so some of some of the societal issues and challenges that in terms of uh, 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 fair distribution of healthcare and knowledge has an impact on the community as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what can we do to build stronger communities? Well, I think one of the things that we can do uh, to build stronger communities community is is to realize that uh, we're all connected uh, we have to realize that we're all dependent on each other and uh, if 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 the if one race uh, doesn't survive then we all perish so we're gonna we're gonna have to accept the fact that uh, we have, we'll have to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves Mm -hmm. understand that uh, being silent or, just, or, or turning a deaf ear uh, to, you know, to the ills of, of society or to the wrong or to injustice is, uh, is not healthy for the entire uh, um, the nation because uh, we need each other. Yeah. And uh, so, so we have to get, get better at, at, at accepting that and living by that uh, we, we're going to have to be uh, the good Samaritans. We're going to have to go out and help people and those that are less fortunate or, or who can't help themselves and not feel like they are burdening on us or we can do something to get rid of them because we can't. They're not going anywhere. So we're going to have to help them. Uh, and when we help them, 
uh, we help ourselves and we help the nation be a better place to live. Totally agree. The nation is a big place to live. And there are a lot of ills that need to be fixed. There are a lot of wounds that need to be healed. What counsel do you have for individual people to get out there and be visible and be heard and make a difference? I think the best, one of, one of the things that we can do or get better at uh, doing is uh, knowing each other. Uh, one of the things that that has gone on for a very long time is is in this in you know in our nation is that we haven't been able we haven't willingly engaged with each other. Uh, we was forced to do that by law, mm -hmm. segregation laws, integration that was mm -hmm. that was driven by 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 federal laws, but. In order for it to work like it should be, we, we would have to be more willing uh, to do it on our own and not be forced to do that. Uh, we have to reach out to the, to the other person, to the other races, to other uh, ethnicities, because if we don't, uh, we will remain in our silos and we would just turn our head mm -hmm. and, and not pay attention to what's going on. And uh, that would be harmful because at some point uh, you're gonna need help. You're gonna need help at some point in this world, you're gonna need help. And if you don't help others, when, when it's your time to get help, there may not be anybody to help you. Right. So we've got to do what, we've got to be more willing to reach out and learn about each other reach out and, and, and uh, love each other and engage with each other mm -hmm. and not always see each other by the color of their skin, but more or less by the, by the content of the characters is what really a, a pe you know, people are. You know, we are all human. Yeah. We all have needs and wants and desires. And that the old saying says, if you help someone get what they want, then you'll get what you want. Absolutely. And what would happen if we start turning our attention outward? We start helping others. I think that what, one of the things that would happen, you would see is that this, this strive to be a, a, a perfect nation will, will be coming closer and closer to a reality. Because when everyone is, is ro roaring their boat in the same direction, then you don't have you don't have as much resistance. And so what we're going to have to do is, is pitch in and everybody row the boat in the same direction together in unison so yeah. that we can achieve the goals that this nation has set out for us to achieve long before you and I were born. So in order to do that, we all have to pitch in and do that because if somebody's roaring in the opposite direction, it mm -hmm. just throws the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah, you can't row in two directions and go, you can't be ro working in two di different directions. Right, we have, we have to all be, it has to be all in. 
Mm-hmm. It has to be all in in order for us to be uh, who we want to be and for everybody to, to enjoy. It's enough here for everybody. It is enough here for everybody. God made sure of that. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is just share. Is share. Yeah. Comes back to that sense of community. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It comes back to that. And, and that's, that's the foundation of, uh, of our success this community and sharing and loving and respecting, helping, uh, teaching, all of those things that, you know, that, that uh, we talk about and we talk about or see doing or we, we see other people doing, we have to do it ourselves. We, it can't be just, we stand back and, and be bystanders because it won't get done. Mm-hmm. We, we all have to, we all have to get in and, and, and do it and, 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 and be uh, open to talk about these things. These, these conversations that we're having need to be something that's not, some, that's not a, people not afraid to have uh, uh, because that's where it all starts. When you, when you can understand the other person's feelings, understand their experiences, uh, then that helps to, uh, to bring down the walls of resistance and it helps to educate uh, a person by uh, being, you know, just being engaged with someone else. I mean, uh, integration was a time when uh, before that you were told what other people were like, of what they, uh, how they behaved and things like that. You had a lot of, lot of misinformation uh, among the races before integration, but when, when the schools were integrated, now you've got kids uh, six to seven years old. Now they're interacting with people who don't look like them. Now they are finding out what someone told me if it was true or not about another another race of people. Mm-hmm. And you interact with that every day. Then you learn for yourself what you're hearing is true, or you have the facts for yourself, and that's healthy. That's yeah. healthy. Yeah. How can we build that healthy sense of information and education? And pass it forward. We have to continue to to work. We have to continue to to in. Uh, I would say continue to educate the people in our circle about loving your fellow man or your brother. Not so much working, trying to convince someone outside of your circle. But when you convince the people inside of your circle that you love everybody, regardless of their, you know, their issues or their, 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 uh, their race or their religion, when you convince the people in your household and you convince your family, then the people outside of your family will see your good work. Mm-hmm. But you can't go outside of your family and try to convince those folks and then come home and do opposite and teach something different. Yeah. It has to start at home. It has to start, it has to start at home. It has to start me. at home. Yes, it has to start at home. And then it spreads out. So true. Yeah. What are you most proud of? That's a tough question, but it's a, you know, I appreciate that answer. <laughs> you asking that. <laughs> oh, what I'm most proud of, I, I guess it's, it's my family. 
it's my it's my family. As I said earlier, I'm you know standing on their shoulders, uh, my heritage. I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of the accomplishments that they were able to uh, accomplish in uh, in some pretty pretty dire um, circumstances and some uh -huh. challenges, and they were survivors that didn't give up. And uh, I'm proud to I'm proud of that. And I just uh, I'm proud of the fact that. Uh, our family our structure is still intact. I'm proud of the fact that we are still passing on hope to the next generation, to my kids, to my grandkids, to my to my nieces and to my nephews. These, uh, you know, these 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 individuals are, you know, they they they're giving it all they got to try to be the best that they can be, and I'm proud of their efforts and 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 uh, uh, and what they're trying to do with with their family and continue to pass on. Uh, the heritage. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it your pride goes behind you to your ancestors and those who have gone before and also to the future and the work that the future generations are doing to carry on that message of hope and spirituality that is so important to your community. Yeah, well, well, hope is one of, like I say, one, one of the things that they brought from Africa with them was hope. Uh -huh. And even during that, those tough times, that hope might have been crushed, shattered, but they always had a, a sliver of hope to pass to the next generation. And that, that sliver of hope was always nourished and taken care of and, and allowed to to grow whatever it could grow and it was passed on. And it just, you know, you just keep passing it on no matter how small it is or whatever. But but nowadays that hope is is the size of, you know, say a full grown tree now. And uh, we, you know, you gather up under that tree and you just, you hang onto that tree because that's where the hope is and you just keep passing it on and you teach others to do the same thing. And uh, that that's what it all comes down to is hope. Keep keep hope alive. You probably heard that before, but yeah. that's a lot of a lot of power in that, and that is so true for for any any people, not just black people, but any people. When you lose your hope, you're done. So, for people who are struggling to see or find their hope, what would you suggest? I would suggest that I will connect with someone who has hope. Don't be a cynic connect with someone who has hope. And when you do that, that hope will be instilled in you. It's like a fire. It just, it just, it'll just, it'll just um, gravitate to you and, and, and you can use the same hope. You can use the same hope. You can build the same hope and take your life forward with that and share it with, with someone else. And once you begin to share hope, uh, it's, it's contagious. You know, you just want to share it. You just want to share it because you can see the results of it. You know, you can take someone who is hopeless and you give them hope. They are a new person. Mm -hmm. They are a new person. So when you give hope, but you have to have hope yourself in order to give it. Yeah. If you don't have it, you can't give it. So you have to get the hope from someone who's willing to share it with you. And you take it and you share it with someone else. And that makes you a new person. And the person that you share your hope with, it makes them a new person as well.
I love the metaphor of a fire. Yeah. You said light the fire of hope. Yeah, light the fire, yeah. Yeah, you light it, yeah. And just don't let it go out. Just don't let anybody put it out. Yeah. And just keep going. Just keep sharing it. Keep sharing it. And uh, you'll see a difference in your life. You'll see a difference. And it's a difference that it's transformative, like you were saying. It doesn't stop with yourself. It stops, it it continues, it continues giving. As you give hope to others, their hope grows. Yeah. And yeah. seeing seeing their hope can strengthen your hope. Yes, I have an impact. Yes, I make a difference. And so it's just it feeds the fire of hope. It feeds the fire of hope and, and it it helps you. It helps you to uh, fulfill your mission. Your mission here on Earth, because in the end, you have to give an account of what you did here. Mm -hmm. And if you can give someone hope and just change their life, uh, that's part of your mission here. Yeah. What's the best way to find someone with hope? The best way to find someone hope is the first thing you want to do is to love them. Find someone to love. Find someone to trust. Find someone to engage with. And uh, you will find hope. You will find hope. Because love always responds. Love responds. And when you love someone, they're going to respond. And that's your hope right there. That's your hope. So beautifully stated. Yeah. Yeah. That's your hope. Even if you go back, even if you go back to, to slavery, one of the things that uh, you're talking about love is that when uh, the old, the elder of the of the African Americans enslaved, when they were given the responsibility to raise the slave owner's kids. They loved them. They loved them. Even though they were in bondage, they still loved those kids. And as time grew over, those kids loved them. Mm -hmm. They loved them. It's about love. That's where the hope come from, came from, the love. And I see so much love yeah. in the African American communities. Yeah. So much hope. Yeah. And it's vibrant. It's active. It's energetic. I love the the gospel music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's part of that's part of the church. That's part of that part of that that that's uh that rhythm that uh comes from come from africa that's that beat those drums those instruments those you know the singing and all of those things and uh they've been in the church forever and uh that's that's part of that's part of it that is part of it yeah it's being exp expressing yourself expressing your feelings the dance and all those things that's 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 part of the church yeah uh, that's that's part of what kept a lot of the slaves alive. The, the singing of the of the songs in the field, uh, as, as they toiled in the field under the hot sun day after day, 
the singing of, of hope, the singing of uh, one day things will get better, whether it's either here on earth or in, 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 the, uh, in, in another life, the singing and the hope that I know things are gonna get better. Uh, one day, by and by, things are gonna get better. And that's, that's that hope, even yeah. going back to those days. How much healing can come from that strong hope and love? A lot of healing and forgiveness comes from that. Mm -hmm. Because love, if you love, you can't hate. You can't do that. It's impossible to do both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So hope, hope is what the love is. And it drive and that drives out the hate. So you can't, and and that's that's forgiveness. That's why it's so powerful. I'm just gonna repeat that quote because it was so awesome. Hope is where the love is, and it drives out the hate. Yeah. It drives it out. Yeah. Can't hate can't coexist with love, cannot. <laughs> so focus on focus on the love and you'll be okay. Focus on the love and the hope. Yeah. It will get you through some of your toughest situations in life. It will get you through. Yeah. How have you seen this? principle in your life there have been times when when there was an opportunity to to get angry or to to, to probably uh to accept uh, uh a hatred because of the the injustices and and the and the, the, the racism and the, and, the, and the toils and the snares of life but you you have to realize is that uh I just say hard times won't last forever. Mm -hmm. And there is hope that things will get better by and by, day and day. Uh, it may not always, you may not get to where you want to be, but you pass that baton of hope to the next generation. And you encourage them to, to, to keep striving for, uh, for a better day. Keep striving for a better day because things will get better. And history has, history has proven that. It has proven that, uh, that things will, if you don't lose hope, things will get better eventually. It may not always be in your, you may not always get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as Dr. King said, I might not get there with you, but you'll get there. So you, so you do what you can when you're running the race and then you pass the baton on to the next generation. And we build on those who have gone before. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you receive the baton from them. You run the race as long as you can. And you pass that hope on to the next one. That's how it's done. And then we as a community win the race. 
we as a community win the race. In the end, we win. That's what God said. In the end, we win. So, yes. And that hope is, is the foundation. Yeah. That hope, that hope and love is the foundation. That's the fuel for the race. That is the fuel. So you got to keep it burning, keep it going. And, and you just do that by just loving people and uh, helping people and doing what you can. Having a reason to get up in the morning because there's somebody you know that you can say something to or you can put a smile on their face uh, to just to give them hope, share your hope with them and let them know that just, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't give up. And uh, better days are, uh, are ahead. I have the picture of the Olympic torch in my head. Yeah. Where it keeps burning and burning. It keeps burning and burning, right. Eternal flames. Keep it going. There may be some strong winds and maybe some, maybe some rain in your life, some storms, but you just keep, keep going because things will get better. This has been so enlightening, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I've enjoyed it. It's been wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just want to just encourage people just to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Uh, they're, they're just like you. They're humans. They have the same needs, the wants, and desires. And uh, when you love them, you drive out anything, everything else. Love replaces all of that. Who knows? You may find, you may find another friend next, right next door to you. You just never know. Or across the country. <laughs> yeah, right, or across the country, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you may find a friend somewhere. You just never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is so true. I, was, I like that comment. That's so true. <laughs> uh. So my friend Bobby, where can people where can people reach you and learn more about you? Uh, I can be reached on on LinkedIn at Clark on Money, um, a LinkedIn page. I have a homepage of ClarkOnMoney.com. You can also reach me there. I'm also on uh, Instagram with Clark on Money, and uh, I try to put out uh, information about uh, financial uh, wellness, uh, tips about life. Uh, how you can uh, achieve your goals and move forward and stay positive. So I, I welcome all uh, inquiries. I, I will promise you I will get back to you in some kind of way, email or whatever. But uh, just you can reach me that way. Wonderful. And if you want to learn more about me, I'm Jenny Diltz, hyphen grieving coach on LinkedIn. And my website is grievingcoach.com. Taking, taking the hope and 
the lessons that they've learned and incorporating them in her life and then teaching them to her grandkids. And she's also very passionate about reforming the healthcare system to give effective and efficient care for the people that it serves. So if you enjoyed this, join us next time when we meet my wonderful mother, Chris Wrencher, who is a retired nurse and passionate about her family and her, the people who have come before her. Um, she loves to learn about their stories and teach them to us.